turn with me this this evening to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to read a few verses from there, and then we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 2. So I'll give you a bit of a chance to transfer scripture. The song service tonight was all over this message, and I pray that you can glean the ideas that we sang about in the message. The Lord is good. Deuteronomy, we're going to uh, read from in chapter 6 from verse 10 and 12. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things, which thou fillest not, and wells dig that thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And then further down in Deuteronomy 6, we're going to read verses 20 to 24. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from hence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And in Hebrews chapter 2, just reading verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. My thought this evening is don't forget. Stop and remember. Memorials are established to help us remember an important person or event. In many countries around the world, we find monuments that have been built to honor people or events that have changed the course of history. Sometimes special days are set aside to commemorate important historical events or achievements. The word commemorate encompasses the act of remembering or recalling and honoring someone or something, as well as marking and celebrating an event by doing or producing It is hoped that by recalling the events of the past that we would acknowledge mistakes and work towards a better future, identify great achievements and recognize the hardness endured by those who accomplished them. It is hoped that by establishing a memorial, the past is not forgotten. The present, as it is this day, can be celebrated and the future anticipated. God knows that humanity has a forgettery and a tendency to get distracted and let things slip. In the book of Deuteronomy, we find Moses repeating the law one last time in all its detail. He reminded the people of the laws of the covenant 
with God. He warned them not to forget, but to remember what God had done for them, to remember they had what they had seen and experienced, to remember his laws and judgments, for he feared they would forget. Moses reminded them time and again throughout this discourse that they needed to remember what they needed to remember that God does not forget. He keeps his word and therefore all his promises. In Deuteronomy 8, 11 and 14, we have something similar to what we read in Deuteronomy 6. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I commanded thee this day. Least when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. In both chapter 6 and 8, we find Moses pleading with the people to remember God in their abundance. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget who gave you all this stuff. Don't forget where the blessings come from. Remember the word of the Lord. Moses warned them of the subtlety of pride. And if they were not careful, how easily it would weasel its way into their heart and they would forget. For them to be who God called them to be, they had to remember how they came to be where they were. They had to remember their past, to appreciate the blessings of the present and look for the promises in the future. God did not leave them to their own devices to remember for themselves. He helped them by establishing the memorial feasts as part of the law. In this way, they would have to physically stop, come away from the day today and present themselves before the Lord and remember. God gives instructions for seven feasts that the children of Israel were to keep. These feasts were established as a holy convocation. Convocation means come together in a formal public assembly. Each year at the appointed times, the children of Israel were to come together and present themselves before the Lord. These were his feasts. Each feast would mark an historical event that, de that God deemed necessary for them to remember. They would commemorate the event and celebrate the characteristics of God revealed to them through the covenant relationship with him. Three times a year, all the men of Israel were required to travel to Jerusalem to participate as specified in the law in these holy convocations. They came from all over Israel. Some travelled day, for days, others for weeks, sometimes with their families in tow and sometimes without them, but never empty-handed. Each feast had its individual requirements for offerings and sacrifices. The first pilgrimage to Jerusalem would incorporate Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of First Fruits. The Passover was celebrated on the evening of the 14th day of the month of Abib or Nisan, and it would usher in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which began on the morning of the 15th day of the same month and would last for seven days. Then on the 16th day, the Feast of Firstfruits would take place. 
The Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were established as a memorial for all generations before the law was given on Mount Sinai. The Passover meal commemorated the events of the last night the Israelites spent in Egypt as slaves. On that last night, God would send one last plague to Egypt. Only this time, Pharaoh would let them go. The plague would affect every household in Egypt. God would take the life of every firstborn child and beast. However, there was a way to protect your family against this last plague. God commanded that the children of Israel kill a male lamb that was without blemish. Its blood was to be applied to the doorpost and lintel of each home where the lamb would be eaten. If the home was too small to eat a whole lamb, the household too small to eat a whole lamb, they would join another household and partake of the Passover meal together. And when the angel of the Lord passed through Egypt and he saw the blood, he would pass over that house, leaving the occupants unharmed. The lamb was to be roasted with fire and eaten with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And they were to eat this meal, packed and ready to leave, shoes on their feet and a staff in their hand. God instituted the Passover to be kept as a memorial. They were to remember that they were once foreigners living in a strange land and that they were slaves until God delivered them. The Feast of Unleavened Bread began the very next morning and would last for seven days. Preparation for this feast began on the eve of Passover with the spring clean. The houses of the children of Israel were to be cleaned out of every form of leaven or yeast. Anything that had yeast in it had to go. They were to eat nothing leavened in their dwellings. They were to eat unleavened bread. Anyone found eating that which was leavened was to be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether they were an Israelite or a stranger. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was a memorial to the children of Israel of the haste in which they fled from Egypt after the last plague. There would be no time to prepare bread in the normal fashion to take with them. And on the 16th day of Nisan, there was the, first, there was the Feast of First Fruit. And this was instituted as part of the law and it was to be observed when they came into the Promised Land. And on this day, the children of Israel were to present to the Lord the first grain produce of the season. It is said that the farmer in Israel would go out to the field and notice the budding fruit, and he would tie a reed around it and declare it to be first fruit. Once this had ripened, it would be the offering of first fruits to be bought before the Lord. The first fruits offering was most likely a sheaf of barley, as barley was the first grain to ripen. The children of Israel could not eat of their crops or harvest any grain until the first fruit had been presented before the Lord. Harvest was to begin once the Feast of First Fruits had concluded. Seven Sabbaths, seven Sabbaths would then be counted until they could come back to Jerusalem for the next holy convocation, the Feast of Weeks. The, gr- the new grain was not to be eaten or harvested until they had presented it before the Lord. The first, the word first fruit is Bikram in Hebrew. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it means promise to come. The first fruits was a memorial of the blessings of God and his provisions. It was a reminder that there was promise, there was a promise to come. 
God wanted them to remember that the promised land was a gift to them. And as long as they honored him and were obedient to his laws, there would always be enough. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 tells us to honor the Lord with all that, with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. The Feast of Weeks was a harvest festival and took place exactly 50 days after first fruits. It was the conclusion of seven full weeks of the grain harvest. On this day, the children of Israel will present themselves in Jerusalem again as a holy convocation before the Lord. This time, the first fruit was of, of, was of wheat offering and would be presented before the Lord in the form of two loaves of bread and these would be waved before the Lord by the priests. The feast, the feast of weeks marked the completion of the grain harvest. It was a memorial of the, fil, of the fulfillment of the promise to come. It was a time of gladness and thanksgiving unto God for his blessings and provision and reminded the people that God keeps his promises. The third appointment in Jerusalem was to commemorate the last three feasts God instituted for the year. The Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Trumpets takes place on the first day of the seventh month. This is the day that trumpets would be sounded from sunrise to sunset, and a great shout or noise was made unto the Lord. It was to be treated like a Sabbath day in that no customary work was done, except that an offering of fire was made to the Lord. Not much information is given about the Feast of Trumpets. However, we know that Leviticus 23 and 24 states that the blowing of the trumpets was a memorial. This means an event had already taken place that God wanted them to remember. In Exodus 19 and 20, we have the account of God meeting with the children of Israel at the edge of Mount Sinai to give them the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 19 and 16 says, And it came to pass... On the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of, of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people in, that were in the camp trembled. And verse 19 tells us the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder. When the people of Israel heard the voice of God, they were terrified and they pleaded for Moses to be their middleman. They said, Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. Hebrews 12 and 19 also refers to this event. And at the sound of a trumpet, the voice of words, which voice they heard, entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. It is thought that the Feast of Trumpets is a memorial of this event and that the sounding of the trumpets is a reminder of the voice of God and how they could not bear it and promised to hear God's instructions through Moses or the man of God. The Feast of Trumpets ushers in what is known as the Days of Awe in which the children prepare for the next feast, the Day of Atonement. The Feast of Trumpets was on the first day. The Day of Atonement is on the 10th. On the, on the 10th day, the children of Israel were called to afflict their souls with prayer and fasting. It is the only feast instituted by God that there is no merriment or rejoicing. It was the day of much ritual and sacrifice. 
It was treated as a Sabbath in that no work was to be done on this day. The word atonement means covering. It was on this day and only on this day that the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies. He would go in with trepidation to offer the blood of the sin offerings of the people to God in hope that it would be accepted and cover their sins for another year. On this day, the high priest would remove his priestly garments, bathe and dress in a white robe. He would then take a young bull for a burnt offering and make a sin offering to cover himself and the sins of the other uh, priests that served with him. And then with a censer of burning coals and a handful of incense, he would enter the Holy of Holies and burn the incense before the Lord. Then his fingers would sprinkle the bull's blood on and in front of the mercy seat. Two goats are also presented before the Lord on this day, and the Lord would choose one to be a scapegoat, and the other would be the sin offering to atone for the sins of the people. And the priest would kill that chosen goat uh, to be the sin offering and bring its blood into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it on the mercy seat as he did with the blood of the bull. And this was also to atone for the holy place. The high priest would then lay his hands on the head of the scapegoat and confess over it the transgression and sin of the people. And the goat was taken out of the wilderness from the camp or the city limits and let go. The scapegoat symbolically carried the sins of the people out of the camp, never to return. After this was accomplished, the high priest would bathe and put on his official priestly garments. He would take the fat of the sin offering and present a burnt offering for himself and one for the people. And he would take the remaining flesh of the young bull and burn it outside the camp. The Day of Atonement was a memorial of God's holiness. It reminded the people of the importance of the law and his covenant, that he was their judge, but that he was also merciful. And then on the 15th day of the seventh month, five days later, the children of Israel will come together for the final feast instituted by the Lord, the Feast of Booths. After a time of mourning, it was a time of great rejoicing. The Feast of Booths marked the end of the final harvest, which was of grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives and dates, which were all brought before the Lord in decorative bowls. The Feasts of Booths were celebrated for seven days, beginning and ending with a holy convocation in which they did no customary work. Offering, offerings were made by fire every day. Sorry, offerings made by fire, yes, were offered to the Lord every day of the Feast of Booths. This feast was like no other feast because uh, the children of Israel would set up temporary booths made out of, or tents if you like, made out of branches and palm trees and thick, and thick leaves, thick branches. And the Feast of Booze was a time of thanksgiving and memorial of, this, of their time in the wilderness when they den- dwelt in temporary tents. They were to remember the protection and the provision of God, how he shel- how sheltered them from the heat in the day by the pillar of cloud and from the cold at night by the pillar of fire. They were to remember how God took care of their every need in the wilderness. There was always enough food, their shoes didn't wear out and neither did their clothes. This is just an overview of the memorials God established for his people that they would not forget but stop and remember. Each feast had its specific instructions in what is expected, including what was to be offered and how it was to be offered. 
Each feast, a memorial to honor the different attributes of God as he revealed them. And although we do not keep the feasts set out in the law, there's so much in it for us in their types and shadows. So as the children would ask their fathers what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord has commanded you, we can ask what mean the feasts to us who are no longer under the law. We need to understand that the feasts as they are also we need to understand that the feasts are also a memorial for us. Not to be kept with offerings and ritual, but for us not to forget where we came from, what God has done for us, who we were and who we are now. It's important that we don't forget, but that we too stop and remember. We, like the children of Israel, are prone to forget what the Lord has done for us. We tend to get caught up in our present situations and circumstances without realizing it, and we forget to stop and remember. Moses warned the children of Israel several times that in their abundance they could forget. And it was not only a warning against becoming focused on the blessing rather than the blesser, but a warning against self-sufficiency. When we're self-sufficient, we have all the answers. Several times Moses had come across this attitude in the wilderness. When things became difficult, instead of relying on God at that moment by remembering what God had done for them, in the past they murmured and complained against God, against Moses, and they came up with their own solution causing confusion and division in their camp. Their heart was lifted up because they forgot all too quickly that it was God that led them out and it would be God who, brought, who would bring them in. Their default setting when they forgot was to complain, second-guess the leadership God has placed over them and make their own decisions that didn't align with God's plan for them. When we forget to stop and remember... We also tend to follow the pattern of the children of Israel in the wilderness. We no longer rely on God, but on our own self to come up with the answers. We make our own decisions based on how we feel and what we think, and we end up in spiritually barren places. If we forget and do not stop to remember, this is where we will end up. The Lord's feasts are a reminder for us to stop and remember. By looking, by looking at what he did for Israel in each of these events, we can also see what he did for us. Jesus came to fulfill all the law, including the memorial feasts. The Feast of Unleavened Bread begins with Passover and ends with first fruits. There are many types and shadows in these feasts individually, but together these three feasts symbolize the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is a day appointed in heaven for the wrath and judgment of God to be poured out on this earth. Since Adam and Eve sinned, humanity has been enslaved by sin and subject to this judgment. The Passover points to a perfect lamb that would be slain, whose blood had the power to annul judgment, break the chains of sin and make a way to escape. However, just like at Passover, the blood has to be applied to be effective. The killing of the lamb wasn't enough. The blood in a bowl wasn't enough. It had to be applied to the house as God had instructed. Then those in the house had to stay in the house. To walk out of the house is to walk out from under the blood and be subject to death. 
The blood had to be applied to be kept from judgment and be delivered from Egypt. When Jesus kept the Passover with the disciples, he likened the unleavened bread to his body, which was broken for us. Leaven often symbolizes sin in the scripture. The unleavened bread speaks to us of his sinlessness, and even though he died and was buried, his flesh did not see corruption. When we look at the Feast of first fruits, we see Jesus. John 12 and 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He was the corn of wheat that died. And by doing so, he brought forth much fruit. He died, was buried and rose again, becoming the first fruits of them that slept. He was the first to be resurrected from the dead and live forever. And before he ascended, he sent the disciples to Jerusalem to get to wait for the promise of the Father. He had to go away for the Comforter to come, for Bikram, the promise to come. When we look at the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost as we know it, we see Jesus. Pentecost comes from the Greek word, which means 50th. And so on this day, the 50th day, after first fruits, those that had been waiting for the promise to come received the Holy Ghost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Peter declares this is the fulfillment of the promise to come. In Acts 2 and 16, he says, But this is which this is that which is spoken of the prophet Joel. And it came to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaiders I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. A new covenant was established to abolish the old. No longer was the presence of God restricted to one group of people, but would be available for all flesh, Jew and Gentile, free and bond, male and free, female. No one is, was excluded. The two loaves that were presented before the Lord at the Feast of, of Weeks spoke prophetically of a time to come when both Jew and Gentile would have access to the presence of God. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ made this possible. Jesus made the Passover a memorial for us, that we would eat unleavened bread in remembrance of his body that was broken for us and drink of the cup of the New Testament in his blood in remembrance, that we should stop and remember he was the Passover lamb, that it's his blood that must be applied to our life so that we too can be delivered from the wages of sin and have eternal life. When we stop and look back and remember, we have reason to rejoice and be glad and be thankful in the present. Even in our sufferings, we can rejoice and be glad. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We have the spirit of the living God in us. We have the fulfillment of the salvation that the prophets spoke about and wanted to understand 
and what angels even desire to look into. This is a spiritual blessing to us. And wait, there's more. There's a promise of the future. When we stop and remember, we not only see the past, but look to the future. And the Feast of Trumpets signifies the rapture of the church. When the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead of Christ shall rise first, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. It will happen in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. We must live ready to go, for the trumpet can sound at any time. We cannot get caught up and distracted by life, for if we do, we're in danger of forgetting. We must make a concerted effort to remember this world is not our home. We are just passing through. We must remember to depart, that we will depart this world in a moment's notice, just like the children of Israel had to be ready to depart Egypt. The blowing of the trumpets are also symbolic of the judgments that God will pour out during the Great Tribulation. Every aspect of the Day of Atonement was fulfilled by Jesus at Calvary. He was... He, was the, he not only was the high priest acting as mediator between God and the people, but he was the sin sacrifice. And that by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place and obtained eternal redemption for us. He was the scapegoat that took the guilt and the shame of our sin from us. The blood of Jesus did not just cover our sin. It cleansed us from the sin. His blood made us right before God and saves us from wrath through him. He was the mercy seat on which the blood was sprinkled. He took our place. He took the punishment that we deserved. When we stop and remember the atonement, we we must stop and remember the atonement. Mercy is getting what you, is not getting what you deserve. We cannot forget that mercy and judgment are two sides of the same coin and by the same standard in which we judge others we shall also be judged don't forget his mercy stop and remember the feast of booths is prophetic of a millennial kingdom when the saints of God will rule and reign with him and all the nations of the earth will come to Jerusalem to celebrate and worship Jesus as king It will be a time of peace and righteousness and God will fulfill his promises concerning Israel as the reigning kingdom of the world. The spiritual blessings of these feasts are ours. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruit is for us. Pentecost is for us. The trumpets, for us. Atonement, for us. The feast of booths, for us if we will stop and remember. We cannot get so caught up in this life that we forget what Jesus has done for us. When we assemble together before him, we come as a holy convocation. 
under the new covenant, we're not required to come together at a certain time of year. A certain time of year, the amount of times we, don't, we can come whenever we like. But we are commanded not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. As a holy convocation before God, we stop, we come together. We stop, come together, and we remember. We hear the word of God and we remember. We remember that we were the wild olive branches spoken of in Romans 11, grafted into his rootstock. That we in times past were not a people, but now we are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy. We remember that we were orphans, but that he has adopted us as his sons when we receive the Spirit and take on his name in baptism. We gather together so we don't forget that he called us from, high, from the highways and the byways and cleansed us, taking away our beggar's rags, clothing us in his righteousness and bestowing on us a life of privilege. We remember that he, that he has seated us in heavenly places with him and we celebrate, we rejoice that we get to come into his presence. We don't enter the Holy of Holies in fear of our lives like the high priest. We get to come boldly before the throne of grace and make our requests known. We get to worship him. We get to worship him. We get to serve him. When we stop, come together and remember, we cannot help but rejoice and be thankful for his provision his deliverance, his blessings, his presence, his voice and his word. We have to stop and come and remember what Jesus has done for us and what he's made available to us, least at any time we should let these things slip. When we stop and gather as a holy convocation, we are reminded that we have come to the Mount of Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to a myriad of angels in festive gathering. And that to the general assembly and the assembly of the firstborn who are registered as citizens in heaven and to God who is the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous, the redeemed in heaven, who have been made perfect, bringing them to their final glory. We're gathered to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, uniting God and man, and to, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of mercy, a better and nobler and more gracious message than the blood of Abel, which cried out for vengeance. See to it that you do not refuse to listen to him who is speaking to you now. For if the sons of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to him, who wanted them on earth, who warned them on earth, revealing God's will. How much less will we escape if we turn our backs on him who warns us from heaven? Sister Cass, if you would come. If we go back two and a half thousand years ago, there is no way 
that we could even get close to the temple, to God's presence. And we get to come through those doors anytime we feel like we can come to church. Should we make it a holy convocation? Shouldn't we make it something that we want to be there? God's going to speak to me today. I want to worship Him for what He's done for me. I want to give Him the glory. He's been good. He's been good. He's been good to me. (laughs) Of all my family, me, they've all had a chance to serve the Lord and I stand here. I chose to live for him. I know that. But it's like he plucked me out. And he brought me in. We can't afford to forget and let things slip. I want to invite you to this altar tonight. If you want to remember. (laughs) If you don't want to forget. Don't let life rob you of the spiritual blessings found in the feast of the Lord. Stop and remember. Don't let things distract you and forget who God has called you to be. Stop and remember. Trust God's plan. He knows what he's doing. Don't take matters into your own hands. Remember his word. (laughs) Remember his promise. Don't forget to stop and remember. Hallelujah.